sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday. A ton to get to over the span of the next two hours. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live right here on the grid. If you're like me, your alarm goes off in the morning. You roll over, and the first thing you do is you check your phone. If you did that this morning, you would have said, what? Wait, what just happened? What breaking news did I just get as I was sleeping in the overnight hours? Carlos Correa plays for who? I thought he signed with the San Francisco Giants for the largest ever free agent contract as a shortstop last week. Well, check again. Uncle Steve Cohen and the New York Mets make a huge blockbuster splash in the overnight hours. Carlos Correa now plays his baseball in Queens. A 12-year deal, $315 million to now become a member of the New York Mets. Now, let's paint the timeline for you because we also started last Wednesday's show with some breaking news in the overnight hours, but it made sense for a Pacific time zone team in the San Francisco Giants that had reportedly inked a deal with Carlos Correa. That was 13 years in length for $350 million, the most ever shelled out in free agency in a record deal for a player playing the shortstop position. The San Francisco Giants reportedly had scheduled a press conference to introduce Correa to the fans and the media yesterday afternoon. But that press conference got pushed back. And there were some reports that something was flagged in Correa's physical with San Francisco. So reportedly, that deal has fallen through now. And Carlos Correa has signed a 12-year deal worth $315 million to play for the New York Mets. Francisco Lindor, the shortstop in Queens currently, $341 million was his deal. Now that is the largest shortstop deal ever so Korea takes one less year and a little bit less in millions of dollars to now play in New York and let's think of this offseason now for the New York Mets Steve Cohen told everybody don't you worry my pocketbook is large I am going to pay to make the New York Mets a legitimate World Series contender year after year look at what he has shelled out just in this offseason in overall contracts if you add in luxury tax and the millions of dollars that will go on to the bankroll for the Mets this season their payroll for 2023 is going to be close to half a billion dollars it is by far the largest payroll for any individual season in Major League Baseball history no former payroll had ever exceeded 350 million dollars and this would be close to 495 mil that is the estimate for what the New York Mets have entering 2023 so Steve Cohen said don't worry Uncle Steve is here I'm going to pay and he backs up his words and delivers Carlos Correa a 12-year $315 million deal to now become a New York Met pending 
the physical, I would assume, but breaking news in the overnight hours. And we have seen the odds reflect the spending the Amazons have done. The Mets now tied with the Dodgers for the third best price to win the World Series. As I speak, the New York Mets move from plus 750 to 7-1 to on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There is a new market available that I'll mention in just a brief moment. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here the opening hour of a wild Wednesday morning on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. The New York Mets stunning everybody while we were even sleeping. Fans up in Queens probably dreaming of something like this, taking their middle-of-the-night walk to the bathroom and screaming in excitement because Carlos Correa is now a New York Met. And because of that, we are seeing changes in the odds as I speak. The New York Mets now have the third best price, moving 50 cents ahead of the Dodgers to a 7-1 to number by themselves behind the Yankees in the Astros. The Yankees got Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon moving up as a co-favorite alongside Houston. Not a great offseason for the San Francisco Giants who lose out on the Aaron Judge sweepstakes and of course now it seems losing out on Carlos Correa as well. So Steve Cohen, the owner for the New York Mets, backing up his words with his payroll. That might be the case now in the Valley as well. Matt Ishbia is the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, according to reports, and the Phoenix Mercury, for that matter. Buying the Phoenix Suns from Robert Sarver, the disgraced former owner, for $4 billion reportedly. It is the largest sale of a franchise in the history of the NBA. Matt Ishbia, is, he comes from a mortgage lending background. He has a net worth of $5.5 billion. And my favorite fun fact about Ishbia is the fact he was a walk-on at Michigan State playing basketball for Tom Izzo. He was a member of the 2000 National Championship winning team for the Michigan State Spartans, the last Big Ten title they had won in that conference in men's college basketball. So a new owner for the Phoenix Suns. How does that reflect what we will see on the court the rest of this year? That remains to be seen. But when you look at the box score of last night, the Phoenix Suns at home hosting the Washington Wizards, the Wiz entered on a 10-game losing skid that has now come to a close. Washington winning outright as a 6.5-point underdog, 113-2-110. As you look at the Pacific Division odds, the Suns still the best record in this division, still the third-best record out in the Western Conference, but a disappointing defeat last night that will have plenty more breaking down that game later on in this show. We go to the National Football League up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here, live on the morning after on SportsGrid on this Wednesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network as well. Doing double duty on the grid as he does pretty much each and every Wednesday morning. At least once a week, it's the hardest working man in showbiz, Joe Ranieri. He joins us live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. Joe, what a wild Wednesday morning it was for you and Donnie Wright's side on the early line. You know, it was funny because I was uh, I, we were closing out to in-game live last night and we were trying to figure out, you know, what was the injury? Like, who cancels a press conference 
right. three hours, you know, before to announce your new three hundred million dollar player, and only to wake up, uh, you know, rise and shine first thing this morning, and hey, well, <laughs> welcome to the New York Mets. What? Uh, absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, it was funny because uh, Donnie and I, we had made an offer uh, for the Phoenix Suns as well. Unfortunately, it wasn't taken. Uh, so the money is flowing, uh, apparently, in professional sports these days, uh, Ben, none of which is uh, finding its way to us. So there's always that. Ranieri, I heard that you and DRS came in with about $3.5 billion, but the four bill of Matt Ishbia yeah. was the final yep. clause that Phoenix liked in the sale of the Suns and the Mercury to former yep. Michigan State basketball great Matt Ishbia. All right, as we keep it rolling, JR, not only on this Wednesday morning was there breaking news in a big way in Major League Baseball, but some sad news to pass along mm. as well. National Football League Hall of Famer and Pittsburgh Steeler all-time great Franco Harris has passed away at the age of 72. He is the author, the man responsible for one of the most remarkable plays in the history of the NFL, of course, the Immaculate Reception. The 1972 AFC Divisional Round game against then the Oakland Raiders. Again, one of the historic plays in the history of the National Football League. And Joe, this is always going to be sad made even more unfortunate with the timing. The 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate mm. Reception is on Saturday when the Steelers host the Las Vegas Raiders now, and they were set to retire Franco Harris's number 32 jersey. An all-time great, not only for what he did on the playing field, but the representative of the National Football League and the Steelers franchise has sadly passed away at the age of 72. Uh, just uh, just tragic news uh, to start the uh, the day with so many uh, Pittsburgh Steelers faithful looking so forward to this uh, this weekend here the ability to hold one of the all time greats and there were a lot of greats in that dynasty uh, era there with the yeah. Steelers but Franco held a very special place in a lot of people's hearts there that uh, grew up watching him and even after he was done playing. You know, everybody knew Franco Harris. He transcended just what he did for football, uh, even for those that weren't able to, uh, that weren't alive uh, watching him play all those great years. Uh, just an absolutely uh, sad, sad story here, but will always be, uh, whether you saw him play or not, he will always be one of the all-time greatest Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to ever walk on the field. Also, Penn State alum, I believe, uh, as well so he um, one of the true greats both on and off the field and um, you know thoughts and prayers going out to his family the Steelers organization um, it's a tough uh, day for sure but um, the celebration of his life uh, it will happen uh, this weekend and we should all take a moment uh, uh, to celebrate it because it's one of the truly great ones that we've ever seen in the NFL 11 games on Saturday on Christmas Eve. The nightcap in primetime is at Acrisure between the Steelers and the Raiders. They will mm. memorialize the life of Franco Harris there. It is sure to be a special, albeit sad moment. Mm. He is an icon for the city of Pittsburgh. He has a statue Oof. of the Immaculate Reception at the Pittsburgh Airport. 12 years with the Steelers franchise. He ran for over 1,000 yards a thousand yards eight separate times a nine-time <laughs> pro bowler and the rookie of the year offensively in 1972 when he was responsible for the immaculate reception in the playoffs against the raiders franchise sad news to pass along 
But again, it will be a special moment on Saturday in the National Football League in that game on Saturday night between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Elsewhere, as we go around the National Football League with your midweek updates and what you need to know entering week 16, Yesterday, Joe Ranieri, at a press conference for the Eagles and their midweek availability before practice really got underway, head coach of the Birds, Nick Sirianni, was not necessarily ruling out Jalen Hurts. He did confirm it is a sprained right throwing shoulder for Philly's QB, but he said that, listen, Hurts is one of the toughest guys he knows, a lot tougher than any of us. His body heals in ways that regular pedestrian human beings can't really understand so he has not ruled out Jalen Hurts just yet for the huge showdown at the star on Saturday afternoon against the Dallas Cowboys and maybe because of Nick Sirianni's words Joe or maybe other reports out there the line has started to move back to the way of the Eagles Philly opened as a one and a half point favorite. The injury news surrounding Hertz comes out on Monday afternoon. It flips in a big way. The Cowboys, a six point home favorite. Now that number is just four and a half. So what does the market movement, Jerry tell you? Uh, it just reeks of overreaction. Uh, and it was an overreaction the minute it uh, it came out. It started to slowly move up, right, from the, the minus one to then, you know, one and a half. And, and it just kept going till it was announced that, all right, he's got a shoulder injury. But even Hurt said this week, he's like, hey, listen, it's no secret. I'm, I'm dealing with something to shoulder. I know it. The public knows it. Um, but, you know, he, I got every intention of playing, which is going to ruin an awful lot of people uh, if he is out there under center on Saturday, uh, Ben, if he's taking snaps in practice this week. There's going to be a lot of people who ran to the window to lay that five and a half, six with Dallas that are not, and I repeat, not going to be happy uh, with his return. But regard, if he doesn't play, Anybody who thinks there's a five-point swing between Minshew and what Hurts would have brought to the table, you're not paying attention to what's going on in Philadelphia. It's a really good point. They're a top three rushing offense in the National Football League. They led the lead in rushing yards last year. The Dallas Cowboys have the ninth worst rushing defense in the NFL. I thought the overreaction of lay six with Dallas was a little bit too stark anyway. And frankly, the Cowboys are not entering, playing their best form of football Either Again, on paper, it's a heated NFC East rivalry between the top two teams in that division, two of the top three teams, of course, in the NFC. But the Birds don't necessarily need this game. They have to win one of their final right. three to clinch the division and the number one overall seed in the NFC. Elsewhere, some quarterback news for another birded team, the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. There is some optimism, perhaps, Joe, that Lamar could return this week for their game against the Falcons on Saturday. But he was not spotted at practice in the open media session of practice yesterday. However, when you look at the spread for the Battle of the Birds between the Flock and the Falcons on Saturday in Baltimore, it's still north of a touchdown, Joe. Seven and a half in favor of of Baltimore how do you evaluate that large number between the Ravens and the Falcons on Saturday I, I don't care who plays quarterback for the Ravens no defense is going oh boy here they go uh we're gonna get beat oh, no like you don't throw the ball well enough to scare anybody on defense so whether it's Lamar or Huntley you're going to win very simply because your defense 
shuts down the other team and because you can rush the ball. If either of those two things don't happen, um, you ain't not only covering this game, which, by the way, Ben, I think it's eight straight now dating back to November of last year. They haven't won or covered at home, Baltimore. I don't care who plays quarterback. You scare nobody, including the Atlanta Falcons. There are some talks around the offensive schemes and maybe the personnel in Baltimore as well. The Ravens trying to get back to the top spot of the AFC North. The Bengals on a six-game win streak have overtaken a minus-195 price mm. for Cincy, the heavy odds-on favorites. Baltimore, the second-best number at plus-155. We continue looking through the Christmas weekend in the NFL. Up next, live right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Three more weeks remain in the National Football League regular season. It starts on a Thursday night in MetLife between the Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's how Week 16 kicks off. 11 games on Christmas Eve Saturday, a triple header on Christmas Day Sunday, and of course capped off by a Monday night football game as well. So let's look at what is at stake, Joe Ranieri, for Christmas Day and your three games Mm. on an NFL slash NBA Sunday as we go around the National Football League and Joe of course with three weeks left the playoff chase is front and center when we look at the three wild card spots available in the NFC the Dallas Cowboys have already clinched a postseason berth unless things go really haywire for Dallas down the stretch more than likely the Cowboys will be that number five seed the top wild card team in the NFC postseason so we have to figure Mm. out the final two spots Here are the standings at this moment, six and seven, the most important numbers and where the teams are in the standings associated with their correlated playoff odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Giants now an incredibly heavy favorite to make the postseason, minus 1,200, a virtual guarantee perhaps, with just three weeks Mm -hmm. left. The Washington Commanders hold on to the last spot, but plus 205. The Seahawks a better price. The Lions have the second-best number at plus 128. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers ain't dead yet, Joe Ranieri, plus 880. But as you can see, based on the odds and where they stack up in the standings, a lot needs to happen for the Pack at this moment. So, Joe, we're trying to decipher the final two playoff spots in the NFC. If you had to make a case for those two teams at this moment, who gets those final two wildcard spots? Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, all of a sudden people are starting to uh, to just write off Washington, uh, mostly because look at the game they got coming up here against the uh, the 49ers uh, and another loss pretty much seals their fate. But I would caution you uh, to keep an eye on what Debo Samuel's uh, availability is for the 49ers. Don't forget, rookie quarterback mm. uh, Debo Samuel uh, without them. It has not been great, uh, guys. He is really, uh, we've talked about this with guys like T.J. Watt, right, with Pittsburgh. It's amazing how, uh, you know, how important he is to the team. Well, with Debo Samuel, 32 and 16 straight up is what the 49ers are. Without him, they're 6 and 8. 
Um, so he is a big part of that 49er offense and their success. So I wouldn't necessarily count the commanders out of this. And Detroit is just way too public right now, Ben, aren't they? I mean, everybody loves Detroit. Not like it's nauseating. Mm. Like you got to be kidding me. Like, listen, Detroit, I love where they were, where they're at now. I love that they're willing to lay it down for Dan Campbell, but talent is talent, man. And at some point they're going to turn into this pumpkin. I do think Green Bay is fascinating from the standpoint of, listen, they have nothing to lose. Win the games you're supposed you know, win the rest of the games you have and let the chips fall where they may. If you ask me which quarterback and which team that I would, uh, you know, if I was going to take a flyer for a long shot, yeah. I'll take Aaron Rodgers any day over any of those other quarterbacks uh, available in that uh, division, including Geno Smith. Joe, that is quite bold of you. You would take Aaron Rodgers over Daniel Jones, over Taylor yeah. Heineke, over Jared yeah. Goff, over Geno Smith. You don't say, Joe Ranieri. You Shocking. do not say. Well, Geno Smith, a very I'll throw another yeah, one ahead. at you. Please. He could even throw the ball left-handed. I still take Aaron Rodgers over all those quarterbacks. How's that? You can even switch arms. I'm still taking them. That's how terrible the rest of them are. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me in some form or fashion, Jerry if Aaron Rodgers was really good lefty with how he could throw a football as well. Geno Smith <laughs> so and the Seahawks, by the way, as we were referencing, a very difficult stretch here. And the Seahawks mm. have lost three of their last four games. They're a nine and a half point dog in Arrowhead on Saturday against the Chiefs. And Ooh. although KC has clinched the division for a seventh consecutive year in the AFC West, they are still in the hunt for that number one overall seed in the AFC. Mm. So motivation still at stake for Kansas City. But now let's go to the triple header on Christmas. It starts in South Beach in your mm. neck of the woods, Geronary, between the Packers and the Dolphins. What a change of pace for Green Bay going from the frozen tundra that was Lambeau on Monday night down south for the winter against the Dolphins. And not only are they moving physically, so is the line. It was six in favor of the Dolphins at the conclusion of Monday night in the Packers' 24-12 win over the Rams. It is now just four and a half. The Dolphins, Joe, hold on to the seventh and final AFC playoff spot in the other conference. So both teams need this game. Who gets the win? Yeah, it, well, the market's fascinating, Ben. This was, you know, prior to uh, the game there Monday night with the Packers, it was five and a half. Uh, Miami was a big five and a half, even six at some places there. They were a big favorite. And all of a sudden yesterday, something very interesting came. That line was bet all the way down to four. Um, so it ain't the Miami money. If you were thinking, would we get to a touchdown? No, the question is, are we going to get to a field goal now? Because the money is rolling in on the Green Bay Packers. And can I tell you something, Ben? I don't blame them. Please. Because here's the one thing that's going to be uh, the kryptonite for the Dolphins. Their defense. It's trash. Um, they can't stop the run. And what's the one thing that Green Bay can do really, really well? Um, yeah, they're going to give you Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They're going to run it down your throat. And you're not going to be able to stop them. Oh, yeah. And then there's Tua. Well, have you noticed Tua over the last month, Ben? See how great that timing's working out? Um, I think mm. the 49ers laid out a blueprint for how you stop that high-octane offense because Tua is all about rhythm. Take three steps, five steps, hurry up, get rid of the ball, one read, and it's there. Well, if you've noticed, he's not hitting anybody in rhythm. He's not. He's barely completing 50% of his passes. Why? Because the 49ers stuffed everybody on the line. 
Um, and all year, by the way, the Packers, the number seventh ranked defense against the pass in the NFL. They're not going to have an easy time throwing the ball, and they don't run it all particularly well. Styles make fights, and Green Bay, the reason the money's coming towards them, Ben, there's a reason for it. And it's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's a bad matchup here again for the Dolphins. And it should be Aaron Jones. When he is as involved in Green Bay's offense as he was on Monday night, a combined 126 scrimmage yards, that's the recipe for success, in my estimation, for the Pack this year. Just a few weeks ago, Joe Ranieri, it seemed as the Miami Dolphins were all but a lock to make the postseason in some form or fashion, battling with the Bills for the top spot in the AFC East. Well, Buffalo has now clinched the division, and Miami has dropped three straight. It's been a difficult three games against the Niners, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, and of course last week in Western New York on a Saturday night against the Bills. But now those odds reflecting that still favored to get into the postseason at minus 310, but just two weeks ago it was a minus 800 number. That's the first game of the three that we have Mm -hmm. on Christmas Day. Sunday, all right, the second game in Los Angeles trying to build the hype here, Joe and Ari, the Rams... And the Broncos, there's a reason this game is labeled Cole in the stockings for two very disappointing teams in this 2022 campaign. Joe, pretty much every game this weekend will have some sort of implication for the postseason race in the National Football League. This ain't it. It's a two and a half point spread in favor of the Broncos because this game doesn't matter, Joe. How do you even cap it if you so dare? Well, I mean, listen, the the Rams uh, Stafford goes down four uh, Ben, I believe four different starting quarterbacks for the Super Bowl champs this year. In what world is that ever successful? Um, it won't. No Cooper Cup. Uh, they've lost everybody. Um, the one consistent thing between both of these teams ben, has been the Denver Bronco defense. Um, it's what we can count on to show up. It's what we can count on to be, um, you know, competitive. And what we saw last week with Denver, we finally saw a Denver team last year that resembles what we've come to know Denver, right? They can run the football. They can play good defense. And look at how many points they scored last week against uh, Arizona. I mean, you paid a guy $200 million. He could barely get to half of the amount of points that you uh, that you scored last week. Keep handing the ball off. Keep having some success on the ground. I don't think they're going to have a problem uh, beating uh, Baker Mayfield and the Rams uh, in this one. I think it's Denver all day for me. The Broncos, the third best scoring defense in the NFL. You can see that reflected in the total and over under at 36 and mm-hmm. a half. Could it be Brett Rippon to make his second straight start in this Why game not? for the Broncos? We await and see because Russell Wilson was in concussion protocol. Colt McCoy now for the Arizona Cardinals in concussion protocol. It was Trace McSorley, the third stringer, that played the majority of the games for the Cards last week against the Denver Broncos. We're not entirely sure what Arizona will have when they host Tampa Bay in the nightcap on Christmas Day. A six and a half point spread, Joe, in favor of Tampa, who still needs to win games to clinch the NFC South. Knowing what Arizona is dealing with, knowing the motivation on the side of the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, Joe Ranieri, is this the perfect spot for the Bucs? If they don't, if they don't win this game, all right, the Bucs don't win this, Ben, mark my words. Tom Brady should immediately leave the stadium, get in a car, and then just drive away. Don't ever come back, change your name, change your... Do not come back, Tom Brady, if you can't beat 
Arizona in this game uh, to solidify your chances of making the playoffs. Because, listen, you're in, and that's all that matters. You give yourself a chance. But my goodness, uh, you have to win this game. There are, there are a lot of must-win. This is a must-win, Tom Brady, for you. We showed you the Falcons, a seven-and-a-half-point dog against the Baltimore Ravens, the two other teams in the NFC South in the chase. The Saints oh, and the man. Panthers, both underdogs this weekend as well. Joe Ranieri, <laughs> if Tom Brady doesn't win, he should fly to your neck of the woods in South Beach and just bunk up with you for the remainder Absolutely. of 2022. You are the best. Come Get a nap, down. as always. The hardest working man in showbiz. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bowl season rolls on. In college football, we break it down live right here on a Wednesday morning on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to welcome back onto the show, it is Mark Zeno for his bowl insights here. Zeno, so far, we've had a ton of bowl games, so we take what we have learned from Friday, Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday. We apply it to the one bowl game that we have today. Two more up on Thursday. A couple more before we get to Christmas Day on Sunday and the rest of this bowl season. As always, thank you for joining us here live on this Wednesday on the morning after. Ben, it is the most wonderful time of year. It is the most wonderful time to be with you. And uh, I couldn't be happier to spend my pre-Christmas week than with the one and only Ben Stevens. That means the world to me, Mark Zeno. 12 bowl games done already at the FBS level. That means including the college football playoffs. Still 29 more to go. Let's go back to the nightcap yesterday. A good one in Boca Raton between Liberty and Toledo. And Zeno, I think we can use this bowl game as an example for how we handicap and find those edges throughout the rest of bowl season. Over the weekend, the champions out of the MAC in Toledo were a five-point favorite. The line started to work down. It closes at three and a half in favor of the Rockets. They win the game outright, 21 to 19, but they do not cover the spread. So we see that market movement. We see the motivation last night in Boca Raton. Mark Zeno, what have you learned so far in your handicapping of this specific college football bowl season? Well, clearly, again, motivation is a big thing. Um, Opt-outs, particularly with coaches uh, who have moved on, changed the game a little bit as well, as you can see here with Liberty. Because I was wondering last night, like, how the hell did this Liberty team beat Arkansas? Like, they did not look like a team that could beat many teams last night the way they played, at least not offensively. They only had 250 yards. I think they were two for eight on third down. It was bad. Like, they just looked bad offensively across the board. So, you know, uh, congrats to Toledo for for hanging on here. And, and I, know, I know Liberty gave a little bit push at the end there, trying to make it close. But, you know, this game was 21-7 uh, to 7, halfway through the third quarter, and you're going – or fourth quarter, rather, and you're going, that's, that's the Liberty team that beat Arkansas? I, I was just kind of surprised at how flat they looked. Right. And it's a big thing for Liberty because you have to look at the entire year to get a scope of these teams entering the football game. It's why – I had Toledo minus three and a half as my best bet on yesterday's show. It looked really good. Toledo up by two scores deep into the fourth quarter and Liberty with a couple of trick plays down the stretch, come back to make it a ball game. They cover, but do not win. The Flames had a very interesting year under Hugh Freeze, who is now the head coach 
of Auburn. Some very high highs. Blowouts in Fayetteville over Arkansas. A win over BYU, but then dropped their final three games of the year, all booked as a double-digit favorite in those three football games and a loss in the bowl game. We saw their new head coach, Jamie Chadwell, coming over from Coastal Carolina down on the sideline yesterday as well. So, again, that sets the stage for the one bowl game that we have so far. My apologies to everyone out there. My math was a little bit shaky. 11 FBS bowl games so far. So, 30 more still to go, including the college football playoff semifinals on New Year's Eve. It's the New Orleans Bowl tonight down in the Big Easy. And a game's in all I'm actually really excited for. Of course, I love college football, but I'm very excited to see this matchup. It's one of the best defenses in the country in South Alabama against the second leading passer in all of the sport, Austin Reed in Western Kentucky. The Jaguars right now, a four and a half point favorite. That is South Alabama against the Hilltoppers of WKU. The over-under, 57 and a half. So Zeno, as you look at the spread and the total for tonight in NOLA, what's the approach? I like the over. Now, this is a number that has come come down a little bit. Obviously, South Alabama with their defense is going to, you know, present some problems for Western Kentucky. But, Ben, when you talk about the great quarterback transitions in the history of football, I mean, obviously, you have Brett Favre, Darren Rodgers. You have Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and you have Billy Zappi to Austin Reed as the Hilltoppers continue <laughs> to have a high-flying mm-hmm. passing attack that nobody seems to be able to slow down. Look, South Alabama trying to win their first bowl game in program history. Hilltoppers are competing for a bowl in the fourth straight season, 13-time overall, trying to win their 10th bowl game. So this isn't something new. Western Kentucky has been very good during bowl season at providing us some excitement and you know putting us in some good games. I know how good South Alabama's defense is here, but I just expect a lot of scoring. Let's not underscore how good – the Jaguars' offense is either. You know, they average over 30 points. They average over 400 yards a game. Uh, and, and they certainly can run the ball, averaging over 166 yards per game on the ground. So this is not necessarily a South Alabama team that is devoid of offense, given their defense is so good. And again, this number has yeah. been bet down, Ben, um, into the into the 50s. And I feel pretty good about where it is right now. I think this game ends up going over the total here. Both of these teams score and may be one of the more exciting back and forth bowl games that we've seen to this point. We saw Bailey Zappi and Western Kentucky to start off bowl season last year lead us to a lot of points and an over. Austin Reed is one of the storylines of this college football bowl season, at least in what it means in your general handicaps he was a quarterback that put his name into the transfer portal to float his name out there to see what interest might be at a higher maybe power five level again the second leading passer in all of college football this year his name was in the portal it has now been withdrawn so he is available tonight to play for WKU now South Alabama a top 15 scoring defense in college football this year the fourth best rushing defense but from their passing defensive metrics, a little bit more middle of the pack out of the 131 FBS teams this year. Austin Reed's passing yards prop is on the rise, 273 and a half yesterday, Mark Zeno, now up by two yards to 275 in a hook. So knowing that he was the nation's second leading passer with well over 4,200 yards this year, what can we expect out of Reed and that Hilltopper passing attack tonight in New Orleans? I think it's what you said. I think the South Alabama pass defense may be one spot where they are a little bit weak. I mean, you know, in reality, you know, this is a team, as you talked about their run defense, you're going to get nowhere with them on the ground. So why not try to 
play to your strengths here if you're the Hilltoppers. Get the ball in Austin Reed's hands. Let him stand back in the pocket and sling it. As long as they can protect him and keep him clean, he'll have time to throw here. And if he does, they'll get open. Despite the fact that South Carolina or South Alabama, South Carolina, I'm getting ahead of myself. The fact, despite the fact that South Alabama doesn't give up a ton of yards, if you look at their last four games, they gave up at least 20 in all their last four games of the regular season. I would expect yeah. Western Kentucky to be able to exceed that number. And like I said, get close to 30. And if they do, like that, that's my handicap for this thing going over the total because I know the Jaguars will be able to score against Western Kentucky's yeah. defense, especially, you know, on the ground where uh, the Hilltoppers give up over 150 yards a game on the ground. So, you know, it's just a matter of maximizing possessions here. But I think we get it done. I think we go over and again, South Alabama, a little bit susceptible through the air. 4,247 passing yards this year for Austin Reed, the second most in the country, only behind Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. He is averaging more than 325 yards per game through the air. That number of 273 and a half, now 275 in a hook, is a number he has gone over in 11 of the 13 Western Kentucky played already this season. It is one of my favorite prop bets now of this college football bowl slate. So that's the only game tonight in New Orleans, a 9 p.m. Eastern time kick in the New Orleans Bowl between Western Kentucky and South Alabama. A game tomorrow in the Armed Forces Bowl between Air Force and Baylor. This game will be played at TCU Stadium in Fort Worth. It is supposed to be uncharacteristically cold for this time of year in Fort Worth, Texas, which might mean, hey, let's establish the run. And if you're going to establish the run, then look no further than Air Force, the nation's leading rushing team because of the triple option attack. They run it for more than 320 yards per game, Mark Zeno. They take on Baylor out of the Big 12. It's a three and a half point spread now in favor of the Bears. It was five and a half over the weekend. Mark Zeno, what is a key matchup you will have your eye on for the Armed Forces Bowl tomorrow? Well, uh, let's just look at the number in and of itself here, Ben, because there's a couple of key things to point out, this thing opened at seven. Baylor minus seven. You talked about it being at five and a half. It's continually been bet down. You've got a sharp discrepancy here on the tickets versus the money, where the ticket split is about 51 to 49 in favor of Air Force, but 83% of the money coming in on the Air Force Falcons here. So when you see that sharp discrepancy, typically you follow the money and take Air Force. Call me crazy. I, I still like Baylor in this matchup. I mean, Ooh. for me, this is about horses in the barn. Um, Baylor has better athletes. I don't think that's debatable. You know, again, Air Force has done what they've done this year, but it's not exactly like they've played anybody of note that you really want to look at. When they did step up in class against Boise State, they got beat. When they stepped up in class against a team like Utah State, they got beat. I mean, you know, you can look at their win. They got a win over Colorado, but, you know, everybody has a win over Colorado. Yeah. Ben, you and I have a win right. over Colorado, and we didn't even have to play them. So... You know, I, I suppose you could look at the game against San Diego State, 13-3. But still, Baylor is too good offensively overall for me to ignore, you know, the difference in talent here. My biggest question, honestly, is how sharp will Baylor be? Will they be a little bit flat for this game? Because it's a little bit disappointing. I mean, they're playing in a pre-Christmas bowl. This is a team that had a chance to go to the college football playoff last year against an opponent that they've never seen. Everybody is weary of the triple option and what you have to do against it. But I'll ask you how much Air Force really has gone up against a passing attack like Baylor um, and, and, you know, a, a way for them to, to to slow down that. I don't know that they've seen it to this level. Baylor's been obviously a little bit more battle-tested in a very tough Big 12 this year. 
I think Baylor's the right side. I have a friend of mine who took it at Baylor minus six, took it at Baylor minus four, took it at Baylor minus three and a half. Like he just keeps hammering Baylor all the way home because the number is way too short. If this was over a touchdown, I could see you taking Air Force. Um, it, to me, it feels like a sharp square dog situation. I'll lean on Baylor here and lay the points. The Big 12 champs from a season ago who also have a really good running back in the freshman Richard Reese in the Bears' yep. backfield. Here's a stat I will provide. Baylor won the Big 12 a season ago. Dave Aranda, their head coach, is defensive focused. Last year, a top 20 rushing defense in the country, only allowing about 117 yards per game. They have regressed in a negative way this year, giving up more than a buck 42 on the ground. Baylor lost their final three games in the regular season. They allowed 167 yards per game on average in that three-game skid, going up against an Air Force team that, again, runs the triple option, and runs it for nearly 320 yards per game. Mark Zeno, as we keep going, one game today, one game tomorrow, two on Friday to take you into your Christmas weekend, and you are also the mouth in the South. The SEC in the fold in the Gasparilla Bowl for Missouri and Wake Forest. Now, Sam Hartman is going to play for the Demon Deacons. This line has remained pretty consistent, Mark Zeno. It's at one and a half in favor of the Deeks. Why do you think this number is so short? Because the Missouri defense is very good. It's underratedly good. And it's been good in the SEC all year long. Uh, and and we, we don't know that because their offense is pretty lackluster, impotent, if you will. Pick, a, pick any word that describes mm. flaccid, whatever you like. It, it's just not a very good offense. So they've struggled to 6-6. Six and six. But this is a Missouri team, you know, that – held a, a a Georgia team to just 26. Yeah. You know, they, they held a South Carolina offense that we saw put up 63 at one point to 10 points in this game. You know, this is a very talented Missouri defense. I like Missouri in this spot. This number should tell you everything you need to know about how much odds makers believe that Missouri's defense can control this game. In Missouri's first 10 games of the year, they played to the under in nine of them. So it's something to keep in mind when you look at that defense for the Tigers out of Columbia against Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Mark Zinno, have a wonderful holiday weekend, my friend. I'm sure you will be taking in all of this bowl schedule that we have to go. We round out this opening hour up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. It is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for being here with us on this Wednesday. It's a holiday week. We try to be festive and send you into your weekend with profitability, making you the best sports better and engaged sports fan you can possibly and we love to hear from you. We love to get your opinion involved on this show as well. Yesterday, it was Kevin Walsh that wanted to hear from you. Today, it is me as we round out this opening hour with another poll and fade the public. So just three weeks left of this NFL regular season. Teams jockeying for a postseason berth, trying to clinch a spot and just the overall seating and what the playoff picture will look like in each 
of the two conferences in the National Football League. The NFC's number one overall seed pretty much wrapped up. Again, it was brought to a little bit more uncertainty with the injury news around Jalen Hurts, but Philly needs just one more win to clinch the NFC East division and the number one overall seed in the NFC. But in the AFC, much more up in the air. So out of the three teams truly in contention for it, who will win the AFC's number one overall seed? That's what we asked you. Will it be the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, or the Cincinnati Bengals? Buffalo right now is the odds-on favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook and your favorite in this Fade the Public poll at TV on Twitter as well. Nearly 47% of the vote going with Buffalo. The Chiefs, the second most selected option, and the Bengals round out this list. That follows the odds almost to a T on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But what I will say, Kansas City by far has the easiest schedule out of this crop of three teams. The Bengals and the Bills play each other next weekend, week number 17. What that result could do to this market and the number one overall seed in the AFC playoff picture remains to be seen. Our number two of the morning after live on this Wednesday is up next following a sports grid news update from Alex Fasano.